Hey guys, it's Tats here from Castagra, and welcome to the Specified Growth Podcast. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and coatings industry. Today's guest is Greta Barami, CEO of the Golden Group Construction Corp. Golden Group is a women-owned and operated roofing business that's won regional and national awards for their skill and customer service. Greta started the company when she was 21 years old while attending university. Greta, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, tell me more about your background. Sure, yeah. <laughs> All right, get ready because it's a little bit of a long story, but I'll try to make a short version. I grew up in Tirana, Albania, which is a long ways from here, little country in the Balkans. And uh, due to uh, political and civil wars, my family decided to migrate to the United States when I was 10 years old. My mom relocated us here in Massachusetts, where we still are today. And I was a little girl with big dreams. I had heard everything about the United States, and it was the land of opportunity, the land of freedom, the land of expression, where you can make all your dreams come true. And I came to this country as a 10-year-old, wanting to achieve all those dreams and more. And I found a new home here, right? I learned the language from the beginning. I learned, I learned the ways of the culture and friends, and everything was new, and I really embraced it. And I went through it all, and I achieved the American dream of going to, to school here and continuing my studies in a university here. And I always wanted to be part of political affairs and international relations and the ability to one day to stay connected to Europe and my home. And that's what I thought my whole life I was going to do. So I really worked hard towards that dream of, of obtaining a degree in international affairs and, and hopefully making my way back to Europe to represent some company. <laughs> <laughs> so, but unfortunately, my life took a very unexpected turn because in 2011, I found myself sort of at the verge where every young um, college student was, right? There was a limited opportunities for jobs and a limited opportunities for resources and networking. So I was forced to take a leap of faith and sort of look for jobs elsewhere. And one day, while an internet search, I came, I saw this ad, they were looking for a foreman. They wanted somebody who could like handle job sites, daily operations, no previous experience needed. As long as I could pass like a background check, a drug test, you know, I was good to go. <laughs> so <laughs> as an optimistic college student, this is my green light opportunity. And I took it. I applied for the job. And I was like, it says four men, but of course it could be a woman. Yeah, yeah. And to my, <laughs> to, my, to my luck, the owner replied and he was very excited to have me visit his company and see how I could be of help. Long story short, he ended up hiring me for the position and I was sort of thrown into it, right? Like the world of construction where they just throw you in. <laughs> well, welcome to your first day. Here's your first job site. <laughs> and I had no idea what I was doing, but I wasn't going to tell anybody that, you know, anything about a college student <laughs> that you fake it till you make it, right? Like you learn your way through it. You tell, you, you know, I was very much off the classroom. So that's exactly what I did. I I embraced it. I sort of went to job sites every day. I stayed with the crew. And I was very lucky that I knew Spanish because there's a lot of Spanish-speaking employees in the world of construction. 
So I was very fortunate that I did speak the language. So I communicated with the guys. I stood on site every day. And I really started to fall in love with this world that I never knew existed. I never knew roofing existed. I never knew people switched roofs. Just something I never thought about in my parents' home. Wow. So I started falling in love with it. Like I started making friends with the job sites. I started creating more knowledge. Like I wanted to know more about roofing. I wanted to go home and study the guidebooks that the manufacturers and distributors had released. And every day I would come in with questions for the guys. And jokes would started going around, you know, like Greta and her like diva ways of like wanting to do everything. Like the guys really didn't like me. <laughs> I had, sometimes they would tell me to stop talking <laughs> like, because they had never had a girl on site, let alone a girl that followed them around asking questions like with a notebook. <laughs> and I embraced it. And, and I didn't think much of it until that winter of December 2011, where I was in an entrepreneurship class. It was my final year, my senior year in college. I was in an entrepreneurship class and I was studying uh, entrepreneurship and I was given a project to sort of bring a business to life. And I brought it to life, but I brought to life a coffee shop. And I did so well on the project and my peers and everybody loved it. And I was grading really highly on it. And then a light bulb moment went. I remember sitting in the Christmas break holiday in, in my parents' basement watching TV. And I said, what if I take this class project, this real life business outline that I've created for this coffee shop, and I convert it and I create my own roofing company? And it sounded like a crazy idea to myself when I heard it out loud, but I had the vision in my mind and I knew I could do it. So that's exactly what I did. That the following year, March 12, 2012, I opened Golden Group. I opened the doors to the world of roofing and I set out on a mission to create a first ever one of a kind roofing company that was going to have the highest levels of integrity, was going to take all the things that people hated about the construction process and was going to implement it with change and just really innovate. And that's how Golden Group was born. It was one college girl's dream that was sort of awakened one summer working in the world of construction. And then made into reality when she decided that entrepreneurship was really her calling. Mm. So, so we opened the doors. Yeah. So like, was it just you or did you, did you have someone sort of cheering you on or was it just kind of, you just kind of pushed, pushed through it? No, it wasn't just me. It was also my partner, Freddie. So Freddie and I met when we were in high school and we were each other's, we were like high school sweethearts. We did everything together and we went to college together. So it was natural that I was going to embark him on this journey and we were going to start together. Except Freddie told me one thing. He's like, I don't want anything to do with any of like the marketing, the growth, the foundation. I just want to be out there with the guys. He's like, if I'm going to do this with you, I want to be all in for operations. Like I want to learn the trade. I want to become the expert. I want to become the construction supervisor, but I just want to be out in the field. And I said, sure, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> so Freddie joined me on this journey and his role was from day one and is today as COO of operations. I mean, he, he is the chief of operations and he, and he guides the team externally every single day. Very cool. Now um, you've seen a lot of growth. What has sort of been your key to sort of uh, growing the way you've grown? Right. So if I go back to what I said is that I wanted, I set out on a journey to create a construction company that was different. I didn't have any prior knowledge of construction. I didn't have any family construction. So I was the clean slate, right? Like everything that I implemented was simply from the feeling that I would get. So I never, I think one of the biggest blessings that I had is that I never looked to competitors 
for my growth. And I never looked to the right or to the left, right? Like I always created my own lane, whether it came to the innovation of the company, whether it came to how I was going to display products, everything I did, I did it to sort of be our, the way we would do it without looking, although looking to others is good for the growth of the company. I think that the fact that I didn't helped me a lot because a lot of the reservations that people had in the industry was always the way they were accustomed to being sold, right? Homeowners in our industry, in the roofing industry, in a residential world, always complain because there's a lot of anxiety that came with having somebody in your home to present you with all this information. So I said, what if we could consult people? And what if we didn't sell them anything, right? Like if they're ready, if they want to do business with us, they're going to call us back. So from the first moment when you meet with somebody from our team, they're not there to sell you anything. They're really there to consult you. And they never ask you for a sale. They just leave their information behind. They walk away. And that approach, when I first introduced it to manufacturers like CertainTeed and GAF, they told me that's never going to work. <laughs> and I told them I beg to differ. I think, I think today's consumer and today's and the upcoming consumers are incredibly smart. And they're incredibly smart and their instincts and their God has led them to the success that they have. And the fact that they have these beautiful homes. And I, and I think that if you presented them with the right information, they would be able to trust their instinct and make the correct decision without needing somebody to price negotiate, without needing somebody to use, you know, sales techniques on them and, you know, price drops on them. So from the moment you meet with one of our team members, and I think one of the reasons we've grown so much is because we just consult people. We just present them with the information the way they like it, whether it's in a detailed proposal that they want to receive via email that they can view with their spouse or loved ones whether it's a Zoom meeting that they want to have with you because they're traveling, they just don't have time to meet you in their home. We're willing to accommodate their lifestyle. And so that was the number one thing we eliminated right off the bat. And is our sales almost, we were already ahead of the pack. And then some other things we took along the way out was that we created a way, we realized that in this industry, a lot of anxiety built from payments. So we were very grateful and lucky to be able to not need people's payments until the actual start of work. And that right there was a no-brainer. You know, people's anxiety levels drop tremendously when you don't need large amounts of money at contract signing. So for, the, for us, that was another win-win factor that led to our growth. And then some other smaller contributions that led to our growth is our transparency. You know, our, the Golden Group Roofing Contract is so well laid out and it guides people literally through the whole process that they have absolutely no questions by the time they're done signing it. I mean, pretty much the first three pages of our contract is literally letting them know what they're getting into and pretty much giving them a detailed outline of what to expect they are re-roofing and what to expect after the, the re-roofing has ended. So I think if you pair those three tips, the fact that we consult, the fact that the payments we've eliminated parting with large amount of money, and the fact that we've created a contract that's not really there to protect them or us, but it's more to guide them throughout the whole experience, when you marry those three things together, we've We've eliminated one of the biggest reservations that people have when they're dealing with a roofing contractor. And it's the lack of communication and transparency. So by us having these three things, we've eliminated that. And we are 100% transparent. And we're always having flawless communication. Very nice. So it's great. You're pushing down new roads, like focusing on what, what you're good at and creating new systems. Now, what, this is more of a, a general entrepreneur question. What do you think is the number one thing stopping entrepreneurs from growing? What do I think is stopping them? Oh, well, in my industry, uh, in general, yeah, in general, you know, sometimes is I think some entrepreneurs. It could be a couple of things, but I guess I could narrow it down to a few things. I think it's fear—the fear of 
I think I remember myself, right? Sometimes entrepreneurs are held back by fear. And it's that fear of like taking the next big leap and who, how is it going to work? Are people going to judge me? Is it going to be okay? And I think sometimes uh, what entrepreneurs forget is why they started this journey. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they stop their own growth because they become fearful of the jumps that, they're, that they have to keep on taking. And I think I have to remind myself. Sometimes I have to remind myself and have to sit down and say, if I hadn't taken that big jump in 2012 as a college student, I wouldn't be here today. So why am I being fearful today of taking another big jump? So I sometimes have to remind myself that, no, I can do this because I already did it. I already proved to myself in the world that it was possible. So I think sometimes our own fear and our own sort of like we hinder our own growth because we sort of start putting brakes on our own success. And maybe that's because we get comfortable, maybe because we're tired, always sort of living life on the edge. So sometimes I have to push myself. I have to remind myself that I like that edge and I've proven myself to be very successful at being at the edge and taking leaps. And I have to sometimes push myself. And the way I sometimes push myself is by thinking in new directions or being more creative or, or maybe taking up another hobby or another side business. I don't know, whatever the case may be, I think a lot of entrepreneurs hinder their own growth because of fear. And if I have to tie it into one more thing is I always say that success is a state of mind. And I think sometimes some entrepreneurs just don't see the outcome successful. And I think if you don't, then just don't do it. I think if you're an entrepreneur and you are embarking on a journey, unless you picture yourself being the absolute best at it, then don't partake in it. Because I think only if you picture yourself becoming 100% successful is the only way you will be successful, right? Like I believe, I, I'm a big believer in all my team that success is a state of mind. And I don't let anybody in my team take on a project if they don't think they're going to give me 100%. Because believing that you can give 100% is the most important thing. Whether you do or not is entirely different. But if you don't believe you can do something 100%, then why would you start it, right? So, so I think those are the two biggest things I think that stop entrepreneurs is that sometimes they don't think it would be 100%. And sometimes I think they're just too fearful. Very cool. Now, within your industry, back into your industry again, and what are the key trends that you're paying attention to right now within your industry? Yeah, so within my industry, what I'm paying attention to right now is the way that consumers are absorbing information. I handle a lot of the marketing decisions at my companies simply because I have a love for it. And it sort of goes back to reading that first line of why I did this in the first place. And I've noticed that consumers are buying differently today. They're buying on emotions and they're buying on, on what the brand's emotions is, right? A lot of people seem to think that the brand is a logo. So they spend a ton of money picking out color fonts, logo designs. They spend a ton of money and the gear and everything. And although that's important, that's not the company, right? The company is the individuals and the faces that are within your team, their character, their emotions, their likes and dislikes. That's the company. And how are you going to use the money and the amount of time that you've invested into each individual that's in your team? How are you going to use that to benefit your brand? How are you going to use all those wonderful things that you've implemented to benefit and bring you future business? And I think what the new trend has been in my company, and I think the trend in the industry is to allow these sort of emotions of the people of the brand to become the brand, to become the face of the company. So we're no longer marketing Golden Group. We're no longer telling people to buy a roof because Golden Group wants you to buy a roof. No, we're letting the people behind the brand sell the story. We're letting their character be displayed. So a lot of our marketing is no longer buy here, now roof. No, I mean, we're sharing stories on social media. We're sponsoring local events that are important to our team members and to our community. 
We're putting on our website real content about the people that work here and what they're like to dislike. And so we're switching the way we represent Golden Group. And we're realizing that the consumers are responding very well to that because consumers no longer buy a product just because the logo or the brand. They buy the product because what it stands for and what the people that represent it stand for. And if I had to say one more trend is the way we are giving information. We're no longer giving information the old school way of like meeting with people and going over pages of documents. Like I mentioned before, now we're presenting information the way people want it presented. And whether that's in a Zoom call, whether that's meeting with a phone call, conference call, or whether that's us emailing them a full proposal with edits that they will go back and forth in email exchange, whatever way we're going to do it because we realize that our consumer is behaving differently. Our consumer is more tech involved more than ever and their lives are different, right? Like the traditional homeowners or the traditional people in today's market don't have the nine to five jobs anymore. Also the working schedule is becoming less traditional. So therefore buying patterns are less traditional. So we're always trying to innovate and stay on the curve of that. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that with your Instagram, you're kind of marrying the personal side with the business side and giving people a sort of fuller picture of what you guys are doing. Exactly. Now, was that been sort of embraced by everyone uh, openly or has it been a cultural change because you're, you're providing so much more access to what you do and what your people do? I think it's been embraced. Uh, we've definitely seen our numbers. I don't know if the numbers have grown specifically to that. But we've definitely seen a, a tremendous return and we've definitely seen our numbers rise. And I think people people really enjoy seeing an open book, right? Like if when people are buying and they're spending a, a lot of money, whether it's with a product or a service, they really do enjoy it when it's an open book relationship because they're letting you sort of in their home and they're they're spending all this time in you. So they appreciate it when you're just as open with them. They, they appreciate it when even though you're a bigger company and even though you're growing every day, you're still giving them a feel as if they were your first client. So for us, for us being a service provider, and I think all service providers, if I had to go out there and if you're a service provider, whether you're, whether you're a hairdresser, whatever you may be, like this should be the way you sell today. You, should be, you shouldn't give people the fuller picture into your business because bigger businesses are doing it. I mean, we're noticing the same trends in corporate America. We're noticing the same trends in Fortune 500 companies, you know, where they're becoming more and more personal. And they're becoming more and more localized because they realize that this is the new way that consumers are responding. That's very cool. Now, what what else are you involved in? I I know you're involved in lots of different things. (laughs) Well, in terms of how I split my time is I am a board member on NERCA. So NERCA is the New England Roofing Contract Association. This is the Northeast Division of the NRCA, the National Roofing Contract Association. So we are NERCA. We're the Northeast Division. I'm a board of director serving a three-year term on this. So we, we handle everything from OSHA regulations to, to industry reports, to industry education. So we work closely with NRCA. We work closely with them to make sure that everything that's being done for roofing industry at a national level is being conveyed at a more Northeast level. And we have our biggest convention every year in March where we get to sort of meet everybody within our industry. And there's a lot of educational courses that go on behind the scenes. So I spent a lot of my time in that. I'm also involved with National Women in Roofing, which is a new up-and-coming organization to embrace women in our industry throughout all 50 states of the United States. And also, I am on the foundation and scholarship board of the university where I went to school, 
Worcester State University, located in Worcester, Massachusetts. So I serve on that board, and I also serve on that scholarship committee board for the university. And then on the side, <laughs> right now, <laughs> I'm currently working <laughs> on establishing a new business platform for myself, which is going to be called Rootless Entrepreneur. And it's if you think of the word root, but rootless entrepreneur. And it is going to be an up-and-coming platform to sort of embrace, educate, and empower individuals like myself who may not have had roots in a certain industry, but still embarked in it. Like if I have to think of what I am, I'm truthfully a rootless entrepreneur because I didn't really have roots in construction. I didn't really have roots in the United States, but I created them anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And I think more than ever in today's world, more than ever, are we seeing a rootless economy, right? A rootless global economy. So, and what that means is that people are nowadays coming from overseas doing business here or people here are doing business overseas. And of course that's attributed to social media and that's attributed to just the internet in general. But I wanted to start a new journey. So I said to myself, what better way to find a voice than to create a platform where people like myself, well, that we stumble upon certain industries or we want to embark on certain industries that we know nothing about but have passion for, what better way to create a platform for all these individuals and, and give them the motivation and the power and the education and the networking that they need to embark on this journey. Awesome. So that's what I'm working on now. <laughs> Just a few things. <laughs> Just a few things. <laughs> so you're, you're involved in so many things. Awesome. What are your sort of top three habits or routines that keep you all organized and sort of in sync? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a great question. I get asked this a lot of times. So I think one thing that's really important to me is setting deadlines. I realize as an entrepreneur, we have, we're like a rainbow, right? There's like a million things that come through our heads and exit. And what I used to find back in the day is that I have really great ideas, but I wouldn't really accomplish them or they'd sit in my desk forever. And I would sort of say, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. But I never did. <laughs> so what I do now is that I keep dates and I hold myself accountable. So I work backwards. Like if I want to launch Rootless Entrepreneur in June next year, well, I put that date in my calendar. And then I work backwards from that date in intervals of what I need to do to go to that date. So I think I hold, holding yourself accountable and setting dates, even if they're projected for a year out, is really important to driving your own success. So that's been the number one thing for me. The number two thing for me that's driven to my success has been the ability to reflect on myself. So every month I ask every employee to sit down with me and give me their reflections on my performance. Mm. (laughs) And, and I really, in the beginning, they were really scared. They were like, they would be very soft, like, Oh no, you're great. But I really told them, no, if you want me to be an incredible leader every month, I have to be reviewed too. I have to know what my weaknesses and what my strengths are and where I can improve. Because if I grow, you grow with me. And it's that kind of attitude where I'm allowing my team to sort of to judge me and to correct my behavior. And I'm welcoming that. And I'm really embracing that. And now I know other people may say this, but how many entrepreneurs are actually doing this, right? A lot of people say this, like, oh, I have no problem being reviewed. Like I want my staff to come to me. Mm -hmm. But how many entrepreneurs and how many business owners are actually allowing for their team to really, really review their performance? Mm. I don't think many do because our ego gets in the way. And in the beginning, it was like a crazy thing to me to let the, to let my employees sort of have that advantage over me. But but it's helped me so much because it's allowed me to see what I can strengthen as a Greta, as, as Greta, first and foremost, as Greta, just Greta the person, right? Greta the friend, Greta the mm-hmm. CEO, Greta the leader. 
Greta, the innovator, like, unless people are giving me feedback, how do I know what's working, right? If I'm a scientist, unless my, my formulas and my hypothesis are being tested, then how do I know it's working? And what better testing platform than the staff that I've committed to, to help me on this journey? That makes sense. And then lastly, and lastly, the most important thing has been positive mindset. I don't, I think as an entrepreneur, we have days where we get really down on ourselves and we really sort of take a nosedive. And I think the most important thing for me has been to allow one day a week, you probably notice on my social media where I just sort of go nothing to do with roofing, right? It's all about just me hanging out, having coffee, having dinner with friends. I think it's really important as an entrepreneur to allow yourself a day a week that you are really disconnected from what you do and you really just focus on you as a person. So for me, that day is Sunday. On Sunday, I don't do anything to do with Golden Group. Mm-hmm. I just do everything to do with me. I love to read. I love to drink coffee. I like to go out to dinner with friends. So I do on Sunday all the things that I love to do and that leads me to success. And I, I didn't think how important self-care and like taking care of me was to my mind until I got burned out. Like for the first three years of Golden Group, I would dedicate every day to Golden Group. And then eventually I started getting burned out. Like eventually I, I would find myself sort of moody and depressed and sort of down all the time because I realized that I wasn't taking enough time to recharge and focus on what I can bring to the table every new week. I was sort of living one day because it was a continuous day, right? Like a Monday would turn into a Tuesday and a Tuesday would turn into Wednesday before you knew it was a whole year gone. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> those are the three things I, I think that I would attribute to my success. That positive mind, that ability to reflect and, the, and holding myself accountable to dates and working backwards. Nice. Do you, what do you read? I read, honestly, I don't, I don't read, I read motivational books, but for the most part, I just will read and just about any girly romance book, <laughs> whatever I can find. <laughs> it, it, you know, the reason being, I used to read a lot of like motivational books, like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and, you know, and whoever, a lot of those sort of books, how to, how to be, you know, the, the habits of a millionaire, whatever. But I realized that even that wasn't helping. So what I do now is I sort of just will pick up like any like old romance, new romance, fiction, whatever sort of fiction, because I just sort of need it to escape. <laughs> I, yeah. just, I like to just sort of escape the world I'm in sometimes because it's so much better to live in this like English classic novel fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's kind of cool because, you know, motivation books can fire you up and it's, it's not much of a rest when you're all fired up to want to do something. Exactly. So that's why I'm telling you, like, I sometimes I will just pick out like, I'll just go to my Kindle, see what's free and just pick it up and read it a random book. And it might not have too much meaning to bring back to my everyday life. But sometimes that's all you need, right? Like, sometimes you just really truthfully need to escape. And sometimes for me, escape can just come into these great authors that just write everyday fiction and we'll go from there. Wow, that's great. Now is Greta, is there anything I should have asked but didn't? Uh, no, I think you asked everything. But I, I guess my, my takeaway message to anyone listening would be that sometimes in life we, we find ourselves in unlikely situations and we got to take a leap of faith into it, especially if our gut and our instinct is telling us to do it. And I think sometimes people don't listen to that gut and their instincts. And those instincts never steer us wrong, right? Like they keep us safe. They help us every day as humans to get through life. Sometimes you got to listen to that inner voice in your head telling you to take something because if I had listened to everybody else, I wouldn't have been here today. When I started Golden Group, I was living paycheck to paycheck. You know, I was obviously an immigrant. I didn't really have, it's not like my parents came to this money with money, this country with money, I should say. 
So I took a leap of faith because if I didn't, I wouldn't be here today. Everybody told me I was crazy. Everybody told me I would never become successful. Even, even some, and one message I want to let people know is that sometimes even the people in your own circle will tell you, and it's okay not to listen to them because even the people closest to me told me not to do goals and groups. Even the people that were my support system told me that I was crazy to, to even think about it, but it's okay to sometimes not listen to those people as well. Sometimes it's okay to only listen to your own, to your own voice. Because that's all you need. You don't need sometimes a support system of the people you've always relied on. It's okay to only listen to yourself if you really think it's the right option for you. And for me, it was. And then another thing I want to get across is the ability to hold on just a minute longer. And for me, that came when Golden Group, it was 2014. I really thought I couldn't hold on any longer. I thought that I couldn't do it anymore. Like I just had to quit. I just couldn't. I was burned out. I was working every single day. Even if it was raining, I was working and I was burned out. I said, no more. I can't do this anymore. But I remember sitting down. I remember saying like, what if I could just fight like a little bit longer? Like, what if I just hold on just a tad longer? Because how can I throw away two years of hard work? How can I throw away all my life savings? And obviously being an entrepreneur, I wasn't making any money the first year. So I was pretty much not earning anything. So how can I let two years of hard work with no income go to waste? And I think if the message had to be, if I had to say one message is, if you have the courage and the strength to hold on just a minute longer than everybody else, hard work will always prevail. Hard work and determination will always be rewarded. Sometimes it takes a little longer, but in life we've always noticed that you know, it's always prevailed. I mean, look at Steve Jobs, right? Like he was 94 days away from, from foreclosure and look at Apple today, right? It's like one of, so if you just hold on a tad longer, every, every successful entrepreneur, every billionaire story has told us and has proven to us that those that can withstand the heat and the struggle just a little bit longer than most will always prevail. And that's my story. And that's why one of the reasons why I'm here today sharing it with you. <laughs> Greta, that's that's wonderful, and I'm sure the listeners got a lot a lot out of it. Thank you. No, thank you. I hope they did, and I hope I see many successful entrepreneurs connecting soon on the Rootless Entrepreneur platform <laughs> that's coming next year. I want to thank everyone for listening to Specify today. Also, want to thank the listeners who are working hard each day to change the world to make it a better place. If you know anyone, anyone that would benefit from this episode, please pass it along. And finally, make sure you subscribe to hear upcoming episodes. Talk to you soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.